You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back to another episode of Love of Pages, having to beat Steven <laughs> into starting that. <laughs> I am Elizabeth, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Love of Pages crew, Naima. Hey there. Jessica. Hi. Steven. That's me. This is Geek Elite Media's virtual book club podcast, where we get together every week and trade off slash torture each other with the latest reads that we want to share and drink because why not Thinkies. drink <laughs> drink drink because that's what you do in a book club so this week for the month of may we're doing a special collection of books mm-hmm. yeah so May 23rd, if I'm remembering correctly based off of our discussion a couple weeks ago, is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's birthday. So this week, this month, instead of doing one book broken out over multiple parts, we are going to do a collection of four different Sherlock Holmes-styled books. Yes. I think is what we're going to call this. uh, To tickle your brain. Uh, for the next four weeks. So, welcome to this journey. This week, we're starting out with my pick in the classics. So, I use this as a really good excuse to go to Barnes and Noble and get the really fancy <laughs> full collection of Sherlock Holmes because oh, that's, that's who out. I am as a person. <laughs> <laughs> I have it. I just need an excuse for a pretty book that goes on my bookshelf. Um, but we are we read Study in Scarlet. So it is the, while not the first published, the first chronological book in Sherlock Holmes. This is where Sherlock and Watson meet. Mm -hmm. Yay. So before we jump into that, we decided to do a mix of of British drinks. So Jessica and I are both, I believe, consuming whiskey and water, which is consumed by Detective... Always forget the second detective's name. Lestrade. No, no, it's not Lestrade. It is the other one that drinks this. Uh, Um, Starts with a G. I can't. No, no, I have Um, this. Gregson. Gregson. Thank you. Gregson. (laughs) It's a name. Starts with a G. Of course, Lestrade becomes the more prevalent one throughout the Sherlock Holmes, and is the one that's used throughout the Sherlock Holmes. Universe, which I'm guessing is mostly because Lestrade is a much more interesting name than Gregson. Absolutely. (laughs) That's for sure. I think that's just, that's where it's at. So, uh, when he believes he has bested Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock gives him a whiskey and water to sit down in the parlor and... I need you to sit down. (laughs) He's going to... Like pontificate Tell his at story. Him. Yeah, pontificate. That's the word I was looking for. Was it really? I just wanted to say prostrate. Prostate. And I was like, that's not prostrate, and that's not right either. Um, but yes, pontificate on his on his conclusions. 
Naeem and Stephen, what are you drinking? I am drinking tea. Um, it is now tea time, even though it is in the evening here. <laughs> I'm all the time. It's it's relatively a good time, probably in the UK to be drinking tea. I'm not sure what time it is there right now, but meh. they are seven what? hours ahead of us. Seven. No, nine hours ahead of us because we're west. We're on the Pacific. Yeah, probably not a great time, but it's fine. <laughs> it's tea o'clock. It somewhere. is if you're getting. It's it is if you're up for the early shift. There you go. Yeah. It is if you're up for the early shift. And Stephen, what type of tea are you drinking? I am. Yeah, I am also drinking tea. This one, uh, I've actually developed this new, I, I guess, obsession with this bottled tea uh, <laughs> from downstairs. It's from the brand Kirin. It's just a Japanese company that makes beer, also, and it's a very Ooh. big bottle of tea. Uh, uh, this, this one is lemon tea, no honey, which I appreciate because honey uh. is pretty nasty. Uh, and this is delicious. There is something broken with you. Honey is bad. It's it's got a bitterness honey to is, it. Honey, I mean, what? Ag- agave like, is a smoother version of honey. Agave is horrible. It tastes like dirt. And everyone makes <laughs> mistakes, and this is one both of yours. Of you are broken. <laughs> no, and honey both have their places, and they're delicious. No, like honey, like real honey, like not Kroger honey, but like honey from mm-hmm. a local farm. Delish. Agave no. never liked. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I see people just eating straight honeycomb. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, don't do that. That's not. That wasn't for you. Is no, amazing. honeycomb is delicious. Also, really good cho- dark chocolate dipped honeycomb is. I think you guys have all been drinking too much alcohol and stuff, so your taste buds are damaged because you keep putting paint thinner on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if anything were, if anything were going to damage my taste buds, it would be all the Thai chilies that I keep eating. That's fair. Yeah, those are good. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> in any case, with that, let's go ahead and jump into a study in Scarlet. <laughs> so, how many of us have previously read specifically a study in Scarlet? So, I know Stephen has, I have. That's it. Okay. So, Naima and Jessica, mm-hmm. first round out, what did you think of? Well, have you guys watched TV shows or read other Sherlock-related? And therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I went in this thinking, like, I've read other Scarlet, um, other Sherlock Holmes things, but I'd never read, like, the first thing. I never felt the need to. Mm-hmm. And the second I started, so I listened to this one against Better Judgment because I couldn't get to a store to get it in time. But the second I started listening to it, I was having flashbacks to the TV show Sherlock and I'm like oh no because I've talked to Stephen about this for where I cannot watch a TV show prior to reading the book yeah it fills my brain with images that are not a creation (laughs) and I can't get away from it it's like a curse and it's like well okay I want to know what like my imagination would make Sherlock look like but instead I see Benedict Cumberbatch and it's just (laughs) I like the idea that in that situation for you, the most refreshing part of the book would have been Brigham Young being added in. Like, he wasn't in any of the versions I saw. That was crazy. That part too just blew my mind. I'm like, and why are we bringing Mormonism in this? And then as it went on, I was like, okay, now I understand why this was not in the series. But those are first impressions. I couldn't help drawing like random like points back to the TV show. Mm-hmm. 
me resonated with the movies and stuff, but I will have that problem probably as we discuss this whole thing of making references to Sherlock the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the part two with the the whole um, descriptions of Mormonism and all of that, I'm not the biggest fan of religion, but apparently Twill was not the biggest fan of Mormonism very specifically. To be fair, so- at, at the time... Nobody was a fan of Mormons. Correct. That's the thing. You, you have to remember when this was written. Mm, oh, and also, and for, what audience it was written for. For anyone out there who might wonder if I am offhandedly uh, over about the Mormon stuff, like, like not um, against it or for it or anything like that, but just comment on it very loosely. I grew up Mormon. <laughs> I can't. Just- I can't earn that right. (laughs) (laughs) And we will get to that because, yes, Stephen, I I completely forgot. We'll get there. But Jessica, what was your first impressions? Um, I know I've read a couple Sherlock stories before. I can't remember them, though, because I read them so long ago. Um, And also, I do have the same problem as Naima, where if I watch something before I read, (laughs) then it kind of ruins the reading for me. (laughs) But this one, actually, it was pretty good. I definitely had to skim it a lot, though, just because of the way my week was. I couldn't, like, sit down and reread it. I ended up getting it on Kindle, which also doesn't help because I don't like staring at my Kindle for more than, like, 10 minutes at a time. Do you you have a Paperwhite by any chance or normal? No, I don't. Actually, it's just a Kindle app on my tablet. I haven't gotten a Paperwhite. Um, And I keep on forgetting to actually use my blue light glasses, so that's also on me. um, Does everyone in this room have this problem except for me? You'll never find me not with my blue light glasses. I don't own blue light glasses. I'm going to change that. I'm going to get new glasses and I'm going to get them put into my glasses. It's difficult to be pre blind. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, no, I have glasses. I cannot put a second pair of glasses over said glasses. It does not work. Yeah. Yeah. I live as a pre blinded person. <laughs> And just don't yeah, wear glasses. That's <laughs> like, look at something and be like, does that say 84? And I'm like, it says 12. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you're not allowed to drive. <laughs> I only use GPS. It's fine. That's uh, not how that works. No. <laughs> how but work. I, have, I have pulled away from your review, Jess. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was so... It was fun. And then you get to that Mormon part. And I was literally just like, why am I here? I like missed the stake. <laughs> I was literally like, why are these two people dying in the desert? What just happened? And then you finally get to the names, like part five of that part. And I was like, oh, I know that name now. Okay. <laughs> I get, I think, why does this here? <laughs> but wow. Everything else is just... Yeah, the TV show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they met in the autopsy room. Yeah, Sherlock was doing a study on Bruce's. How do you guys feel about the fact that he is not a drug addict or an alcoholic? Yet. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> I assumed like it was just a later on thing that he comes out. But he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I've been an alcoholic the entire time. <laughs> this is one of his clean periods, you know, just like yeah. that. Babes and ebbs and he's good then and that's why he's looking for a roommate they're like we're good and then like yeah. two months later like watson will be like why is he on the floor and it's like <laughs> didn't have a great day okay yeah that's true and i will note that this is like in the newer 
television series, they, of course, had to do it because it was modernized. So they had to deal with opium addiction and alcoholism and all that. But, like, back then, opium was slightly taboo, but alcohol really wasn't. They still still went through a lot with Sherlock back in the day because it it was not limited to any kind of just soft stuff. Like, he did the hard stuff. was it? Oh, I yeah. still just assumed it was just ah, uh, he was a scientist. <laughs> like, just. Uh, he, he was crazy. <laughs> no, he he, he goes yeah. full off the deep end. But I always, I do enjoy the in the first one where Watson goes. Oh, but he's you know, his his personality wouldn't let him be a drug addict, and it's like mm. people think that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sure, they're almost always wrong. No. <laughs> So, Stephen, you have read a study in Scarlet before. Mm-hmm. How did you feel coming back to it? Were there things that caught you off guard or things you saw differently? I, I mean, I always love the introduction of Watson to Sherlock. And it's weird because it wasn't... I've never been able to process that interaction between the two of them as the two of them meeting by themselves because I watched the great mouse detective as a kid and then read Sherlock Holmes. So I've always, it's always kind of lived. So they've as, always been mice to you. Yeah, well, he's, he's always been more Basil than Sherlock, which yeah. makes him immensely more likable. Um, yeah. But yeah. So Sherlock Eric, should not be likable. No, it's true. Yeah. It, like he, he's, he should be more of a dick, you know, but yeah. So for this one, Go, like going back through it, it it's an interesting one, but I'm still like, oh no, yeah, I like the thread in Afghanistan, you know. Every time, like it's it's always an interesting one to see that exchange. As far as the later stuff goes, it's fine. Like we you we had said before pushing record for this one, you said it's more about the things that Sherlock kind of thinks or how he deduces his way through stuff rather than the actual overall plot. And that is very much on display in this one. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I I also read it at a much younger age. And I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot that this is the one that had all the Mormonism in it. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I did not recall that at all. Like, the second part started and I was like, wait, what? Oh, right. Right. <laughs> oh, did I pick this one? <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should have picked a different one. Um, but in any case, yeah, no, a lot of it, I think what struck me the most reading it through this second time is I definitely f- felt more the indignation that Sherlock has against Gregson and Lestrade. Mm. I also find it really funny, like, everybody, when they think sh- Sherlock Holmes, for those who aren't like super focused on the primary stories, thinks of Lestrade, thinks of Watson, thinks of Sherlock Holmes. Gregson does not, is not a thing, is not a person, is not a character in any of the books or any of the movies or shows. Um, so, and their rivalry, I think I kind of glossed over in when I read through as a child young adult Mm -hmm. but yeah so plot line if there is such one (laughs) part one or part two (laughs) so yeah so a study in scarlet has with most of the sherlock longer pieces 
So Arthur Conan Doyle does a dichotomy. Here's the investigation. Okay, now I'm going to give you the whole backstory, and then I'm going to wrap around to how Sherlock figured it out. Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind um, of the the line order method. Yeah. <laughs> instead of getting a confession, I mean, you get a confession, but instead of having it told to you in the form of a confession, he just plays out the story for you. Mm-hmm. So, part one, Sherlock and Watson meet through a friend of what? Not a mutual acquaintance. Really, it is a mutual acquaintance. Somebody Watson knows from pre-army and who happens to know Sherlock from his time in the laboratory. And they are both looking for a roommate, so voila, they are roommates. Because mm-hmm. that's the way it works. And the funny part is, is that's still the way it actually works. Yep. The rent <laughs> is still too dang high. <laughs> the rent's still too dang high. And you're just like, who do I know that knows somebody who needs a roommate? <laughs> Because yeah. that's that's just the way this is going to work. Uh, so, they move in. As always, Sherlock Holmes is told from the point of view of Watson, mm-hmm. who begins by trying to deduce himself what Sherlock Holmes does for a living. Which yep. I found really entertaining. <laughs> uh, as always. And he lists all of, he does it by determining Sherlock's knowledge bases, but he still can't quite piece it together. But then he reads an article that Sherlock wrote for a magazine, which is really more just like an extensive newspaper Mm -hmm. in all reality at the time, or an academic journal. And he loses it because what's in the article just doesn't make any sense to him. It just sounds too dang crazy. It's too dang crazy. And he finds out that it was Sherlock who wrote it. And then, boom, we have a case. Because, you know, you got to prove Sherlock's theories in these articles. Case is a U.S. gentleman, Deber, is found dead in an abandoned house at three in the morning with a candle burning. No signs of what killed him. Yep. Sherlock gets called in. A taxi had been brought up. Taxi had gone. We come to find out. The police had the murderer, but they thought he was a drunk. Mm -hmm. Because they thought he was drunk. And they had better things to deal with. Sherlock, well, uh, Lestrade finds Rasha on the the wall. I think they were spelling out Rachel in blood. Yeah, Yeah. Clearly, it must be Rachel. Sherlock goes, "Uh, no, Rasha is (laughs) German for revenge. (laughs) (laughs) There will be no Rachel, but you keep going for it. You You go for it. You go on that track. (laughs) Um, Deber had been accompanied by... Uh, his secretary. I just want to keep calling it Stormageddon. I know that's not right. Uh, Strongston? Strongston, yeah. Something like that. Stringston. Uh. Steven's laughing at me. No, just Stormageddon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's all, all I think about is the Doctor Who episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm now lost, Naima, for the evening. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone. Uh, it was his secretary who was then found murdered by Lestrade, mm. stabbed in the side in a hotel room that he was hiding out in with a telegram that just says, J.H. is in Europe. Um, Gregson comes to Sherlock and goes, I figured it out. Drinking hand. I figured it out. I figured it out. Drinking hand. It was the Navy son of the boarding house uh, proprietor who was avenging his sister's honor, killing Deaver. Yeah. Well, he was in police custody during the second murder, yeah. so that's Pretty not big. possible. Mm-hmm. Sherlock then sends out his army of street urchins. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. we now have a whole TV show about. And they're we, mystical yes. dudes. Oh, uh, that's what that is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they bring back a cab driver. Who Sherlock immediately handcuffs and announces... Here's your murderer. Is the murderer. Cut to black screen. (laughs) (laughs) Part two. two. We are in the Nevada, Colorado, Utah Utah. desert. Utah 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 desert. desert. I always... Because, like, it doesn't tell us how long they continue to travel with that caravan after they meet up. Till they get to Utah. So I'm like, where are we? Like... Somewhere west of the plains, east of the Sierra Nevadas. They, Somewhere they traveled long Nevada. enough to establish a relationship and like the guy enough to give him land. So I felt like it had to be a couple weeks at least. But I don't know. Maybe yeah, relationships went quicker back then. <laughs> like, well, they also didn't move very fast. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I mean, also, oh, for us West Coasters, like we know <laughs> like the different states. Anyone outside of like the four corners is just like yeah the desert all there it all blurs into itself doesn't it no you know. as a person who traveled through them they, <laughs> it does in fact blur all together say, a little bit, I yeah. always feel like that they were it, this was a like when they meet it's like eastern Colorado because like, that's the feel I get yeah like barren and you don't yet see mountains mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah so but in any case Open to a scene, withered, dying man climbs up behind a boulder. Just a raisin of a human. (laughs) (laughs) A raisin of a human. Can't find water, can't find food. Drops his gray knapsack and poof, out pops a (laughs) five-year-old. What? (laughs) A blonde, curly-haired five-year-old who's not actually related to him. Turns out that they are the two survivors of a caravan moving west. Mm-hmm. They determine that they are going to die. They fall asleep to succumb to death and the vultures of the desert. And this massive mirage of a caravan appears. Yep. <laughs> Thinks that they're Indians, determines they're not Indians because she's blonde. <laughs> Like, it's it's a good tell that a person isn't of native <laughs> descent at this point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Being native, yeah. Being blonde haired does not tend to equate with being Native American. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is accurate. Uh, so 
they bring the two of them to Brigham Young. Like where you he declares, if you, you know, will become true believers, we'll take you out of the desert. Otherwise, we're going to leave you here to die. Like the if, the, way, the way that you said if. Like, you, you said it like, if you do this, I mean, you could be with us. It's more like, if you do this, you can come with us. If you don't. Vultures. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so then Friar, yeah. the gentleman's name, like, makes yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I'll agree to whatever terms you want. Like, just let's, she's now my daughter. Just this is the way this is going to work. Is, is this like, like faith obtained under duress? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. I'm just going to throw this out here. Is it most? <laughs> you know, what? that's fair. Yes. That's fair. It yeah, it's either under duress and or usually you are a minor and can't consent. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We've taken religion it's down, really guys. Really, your only options. <laughs> no, we it. just no. Yeah, we've just been saying what they always say, and then they're just like, "But you have to," and it's like, oh, "Okay." But oh, they said I had to. <laughs> so they join the caravan. They get to Utah. He is so great that he gets set up with a piece of land. And I think it's he said, he said two thousand acres. I think so. Just so like much land. land. <laughs> it is so much land. Yeah, like what? Um, you, like there's just land upon land upon land. Yeah. yeah. And he accepts all of the rules of the faith, with one major exception. He is not so fond of the polygamy. That is. Not an acceptable thing to him. He, yeah. unfortunately, at this point in time would have come at the exact wrong time for that one because it wasn't supposed to be a thing before that. Wasn't supposed to be a thing before that. Not really a thing starting. I mean, it, it uh, takes a, a while after, from here, yeah. but, but you know, if eventually <laughs> up to current day, it's no longer a thing that's, <laughs> that's okay. He just kind of got stuck in that real wrong spot. Um, yeah. In any case, so he doesn't take a wife. Daughter grows up. She becomes the flower of Utah because apparently they don't have any other girl children. I don't get that. Oh, the other okay. one. Are, uh, okay. They're just ugly. Yeah. That's just <laughs> she's, she's it. She is the only eligible bachelorette in all of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> is what we come to find out. She is it. So she falls in love with a Nevada cattleman, minor. Yeah. Kind of just a little bit of everything. Who wouldn't? <laughs> um, just, just for that. You broke Steven. You just broke Steven. That's the only reason why I say these things. It's such a broad range of people that are kind of people. Right. <laughs> You're just like, no, he, he runs cattle? Yes, I'm me up. <laughs> oh god <laughs> in any case <laughs> so dad and rancher agree to betrothal hope. he'll come back the next summer Mr. Hope Mr. Hope James Hope <laughs> she could not start <laughs> <laughs> Because he falls in love with Faith, right? Her name's Faith. No, Lucy. 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 
Lucy. Uh, he falls in love with Lucy, the daughter. They agree to a betrothal. The minute they agree to a betrothal, Brigham Young shows back up on Friar's doorstep and says, Nope, your test of, the test of your faith is going to be whether or not you give your daughter up to one of the two elders' sons. Mm-hmm. With five like, Seven wives, respectively, I think. And it's like, yeah, oh, nine, nine and seven <laughs> wives. Um, <laughs> and if not, they have, what are they called? The vengeful angels? Yeah, like, um, I think, aven- no, not avenging. What, I forget what it starts with. Uh, yeah. I think it's avenging angels. Is it? Could, it's something so. to that. It's something like that. Certainly the last word is mm-hmm. angels, but I forget what that first yeah. word is. Aveng- the avenging angels. Oh, God. It just, it yep. just spilled out of me. <laughs> it's deep. The church would be so proud. No, <laughs> this is probably not one of those things they like to discuss. Um, <laughs> well, who I- come through in the middle of the night to pull to kidnap sinners to stand trial that they never are not found guilty on. Um, <laughs> there is no way to be found innocent uh, mm-hmm. in these trials. Brigham Young gives the gives Friar and Lucy thirty days. You get a month, and then very creepily starts counting down the days um, by breaking into their house and putting it places because that's not terrifying. You need to be, um, you know, it's like listen, you know, you only have thirty days. It's now twenty nine, four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Friar gets word out to James Hope, and on the very last night, James sneaks past the Avenging Angels and sneaks them back out. Mm-hmm. And they set off trying to get to Carson City, because they'll be safe once they get to Carson. Yeah. And so they're riding along, and they're riding along. They make camp for the night after the after a first full day's ride. And James goes off to kill something so that they can eat because that's a thing you have to Steak do. number one. <laughs> yeah, so, Don't uh, eat till you get to Carson City. <laughs> on my end, you, your audio was kind of cut off a little bit and it sounded like you said steak number one, which is still appropriate. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> um, and he kills a bighorn sheep, comes back to find that the Avengers... Well, I mean... Yes, it's not really relevant to the story, but they spent like a solid three pages on it um, because this was still the time where you got paid by the word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He he made tw- go back 25 pounds, I think, was, for this story. I think is what the thing was. Yeah. So in any case, by the time he gets back, Friar has been killed and buried, so he took way too long <laughs> killing the bighorn sheep. It's got like 30 minutes. Just, just, how did they even? (laughs) (laughs) And Lucy has been kidnapped back to Salt Lake City. James sees Red, follows them back to Salt Lake City, starts tormenting uh, Deber and, what did we, Strongston? The, uh, the other guys, Crab and Goyle, whatever. Crab and Goyle. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I can, figure, I can figure this out. I can figure this out. Uh, Strangers. Yeah. Stangerson. 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 
(laughs) And he starts tormenting them for a while. And then after a year or after a few months, he decides he needs to go back to Nevada. He needs to amass wealth to really seek revenge. Well, it should be noted that Lucy died a month after marrying. I can't remember which one she got to marry. Deeper. Deeper. Because he he won in the council because she didn't actually get a choice. They no. just made a determination for her. Yeah, she died a month after, and James rushes in just before she's buried and rips off the wedding ring, mm-hmm. which is the wedding ring that is found on Deeper's body because James dropped it, which is why he went back, which is why they had him in custody in the first place, pretending to be a drunk. In any case, um, he goes back. He ends up being there for five years in Nevada, and then... Sets off on his revenge, discovers that Deaver, that the two men that he has decided he must take revenge on have split from the church because they didn't get all the power that they wanted. There's a whole um, schism that they kind of bring in on that one, yeah. which makes sense at this time period they're doing. Yeah. And so then he hunts them down, hunts them down, hunts them down into London, where he murders them both. And then we wrap around back to the conclusion where Sherlock shows how he deduces <laughs> the fact that James Hope was the murderer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Conclusion of the story. <laughs> I did like the detail of the the whole hemorrhage thing. And that's what yeah. is used for the, the writing. Like, oh. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, no. So, yeah, with most of the, sh- like, yeah, we I, you mentioned it, Stephen. Most of the Sherlock Holmes stuff is descriptions about how Sherlock deduced and not really what actually happened. I imagine that's the way that the story is written. Also it's, I found out this interesting tidbit about how this could be. And so I need that detail to fit this murder now or not, not necessarily always a murder, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause that's, yeah, that's how I would, write that also i mean you come with the interesting bit fill in the rest of it after i mean writing a book purely about like how someone figures something out you need to figure out how he would figure it out first and then make the story fit that otherwise yeah. you have some plot points that don't line up anymore it's true yeah. this is valid favorite character Favorite side character. Obviously, <laughs> Sherlock and Watson oh, are favorite Dang characters. it. I was like, Watson. No. <laughs> favorite side characters. I don't know what to say for this one personally. I got nothing, I don't think. The book. <laughs> okay, okay, fine then. I mean, Sherlock uh, or Watson? Just based off of this. Watson. Just based off of this story. Watson. Every, everyone loves an underdog. Watson. No, I still can't decide. It's just, <laughs> like, I want to say Watson because just generally Watson is my favorite, but I didn't mind Sherlock in this. Like, yeah, Sherlock. He, he's not a butthole here. Well, I don't know if he's not a butthole. So that's the thing that like I had a question about for everyone is I think Sherlock despite all the litigation going on about Sherlock's personality, (laughs) right? Uh, (laughs) uh, Is actually depicted different in almost everything. Like Sherlock is a human and 
there's never besides just, oh, well, you know, sometimes he's a dick. Sometimes he's not a dick. Sometimes he's more of a dick than he is. And sometimes his dickishness comes off in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, going to reference the movies and TV show now, but like Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock is absolutely nothing like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Sherlock. Absolutely. No nothing like um Sherlock depicted in a whole other things they're just not besides having a name and having the same like ability of dedu- like deducing things they're not the same person like the way that they handle things is not the same like I would say a lot of popular media has made Sherlock more of like on the spectrum possibly suffering from Asperger's type Absolutely. thing where he, yeah both he is deemed as being dickish because he is more removed and he holds mm-hmm. himself like a higher cord and then misses social cues like he doesn't know how to bring himself yeah. to the like oh well that might have come off wrong it's like no no i meant what i said leave and then there's sort of <laughs> bravado type like sherlock's that are just like well i'm better than all of you and i know this which i think was just the entirety of robert downey jr's in this i don't actually think he came off as either of those people <laughs> He was just more, he was odd fellow. He didn't seem like he had any sort of missed social cues or anything like that. He was just odd fellow, kind of engulfed in himself and his studies. And he just happens to be better than everybody else. Which, again, not that big of a jump, considering I really think those police officers are really bad at their job in this. Like how they were like, oh, we missed this entire red blood thing on the wall. It's just like, the, it's in blood, guys. <laughs> for, for this one, like, there's, there's so much of crime scene investigation and everything that just wasn't a thing at this yeah. point. And I, I don't know if we should really give the credit for that to Arthur Conan Doyle on this one. We, we, it kind of always is, but it has to have been developing already. At the time, it was probably developing but you were still you didn't have the scientific advancements yeah and or, or that like were necessary catalogs. to really yeah let's, just, let's say this like sherlock is pre-criminal minds criminal minds like he like develops profiles for the person based on the scene and then does that was that a thing prior like behavioral analysis type thing way back then no but people no. had to done it like there were people probably doing it they just couldn't come out and say that's what it was because you say you were crazy well, and it was it was typically referred to as having good gut instincts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A detective has good gut instincts because really, what the detective is doing is create is using the their vast knowledge of you know because mm-hmm. as the part that I like about this is because it takes a long time for the movies and for the TV series to kind of really delve into the fact that Sherlock doesn't know a lot of basic things because they don't relate to solving crime. Or, or, or decoding people. Correct. Yeah, I think he, he, com- he comes to solving crimes by way of decoding people rather than decoding people by way of wanting to solve crimes. But he does make that really clear in a portion of the book where it's like he does not care about any knowledge that doesn't improve the way he like can do things. So it's just like, you know, biology, all that kind of stuff, important. You know, learning normal things about normal life, unimportant to mm-hmm. him, like, not something that will aid him in any way. So, meh. The, the weirdest one that I always thought was a bridge too far that they did in the Moffat TV show for Sherlock was the part where he's supposed to just not know the planets. Except 
Yeah, that's in here. No, I know. I just, it's too much. That's too <laughs> much for a person. It's like the, the idea, it's, it's just seven of them. I mean, I think of it this way. If it was not part of the curriculum of Sherlock. Not for him. <laughs> it was uh, like, I don't, I do not think unless we were told to know the planets that everyone would know the planets as they do. Like everyone would not take an interest in the astronomical sciences other than the fact is it was part of our upbringing and our education and we now know them. <laughs> Well, except and we, we have we, not yet pushed them out with other knowledge. <laughs> what, except everyone gets like a like a whole thing about the idea of like Pluto going away or not. No. People just won't give that one up. I'm not giving it up. Pluto's a planet. Fight people. About but it. the Oxford <laughs> comma needs to exist. <laughs> Oxford she is both fighting Pluto. for the Oxford comma and for Pluto. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, both of these things are not the things that they're supposed to be and are redundant. <laughs> <laughs> in any case so, so I, I I got curious and I just started googling because that's what I do um, so deductive reasoning has been a thing since like basically Aristotle but deductive reasoning or more psycho- psychological profiling for criminals happened around the same time that Sherlock Holmes was published it was about 1880s when Jack the Ripper was killing people in London. That's when detectives started trying to do psychological profiling as well. I do believe it might have, it was called later on. I know it was called alienism though, which is more like the legal version of psychological profiling, which is actually in another awesome book that I read, which is also a TV show called the alienist is a really good representation of what that looked like when it was first starting as well. So like 1880s ish, we were starting to develop it. And then Conan Doyle probably knew people that were doing it and developed deductive reasoning and Sherlock does psychologically profile his people. So Mm -hmm. the idea that anyone would think that there's no pattern to humans or anything to be decoded from this or that about a crime scene in particular is crazy. Cause you have the idea of trackers who follow animals or people. And that's the exact same idea on display. And it's a trusted thing, but for a crime scene, like no, it's too much. It's too much. No, it could have happened before too. Cause if you think about like fetal alcohol syndrome, like people like to think that was something we didn't find out till later on, but oh, Hippocrates no, yeah. figured it out. But people just forget in the mid- like from Hippocrates. Don't there's it, like this we, great like there's time a, in which they're like alcohol. Sure, human, <laughs> humanity drops knowledge on a whim. We know lead is bad, and we have known lead was bad. And for a while, we're mm-hmm. just like, that's ah, fine. Kids can make little fires out of it. It's cool. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, who knows if they weren't doing deductive reasoning and psychological profiling back in ancient Greece for their murders? We just don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, that is that is unfortunate. Doing? <laughs> yeah. That's unfortunately, you know, when when written word gets damaged when you do not yes. have the passing on of knowledge you tend to forget those things it's true additionally what we see in sherlock i feel like is the over exaggeration mm-hmm. of what is typically done because even gregston in this book did deductive reasoning he took a top mm-hmm. hat <laughs> looked inside saw where it was made and went this top hat probably belongs to this gentleman. They would probably know 
where it goes to. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they picked up on those things. They just didn't pick up on all of those things mm-hmm. because they weren't trained in the sciences. And that's one of the things that I, I really do like about the Sherlock series, if not just because when it gained popularity, it forced it didn't force people. It made people want to look at the minute details in everything, like everything, like things that like we normally just completely like, I don't know how many times it happens for you guys, but like we're walking around and like, I'll see something. I'm like, huh, I wonder, I wonder where that's from. And there's just like a blaring sign in front of me. That's like where it's from. But my eyesight is just like oh, that. I wonder where that comes from. It's like made in like Thailand. I'm like, Never know, I guess. And they just <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you tend to miss things. And I don't know if that's just like, you know, nature versus nurture. Like are humans permanently like that? And they're just more special ones that are able to to look at it. But it forced everyone to like, oh, I want to be Sherlock. Like, so it was like, I'm going to like search for those things. Granted, they might have tempered that a bit by making him a dick in all other. <laughs> in yeah. <laughs> but it was good stuff there you go any last thoughts i want to make sure everyone knew i said seven planets to joke about sherlock <laughs> i don't think like you're the only one who responded to it elizabeth and i just i don't want the other two people to have not called me on it because they think i think there's seven planets oh um this I is- like that's your final thought. You're like, hey, listen. I'm not dumb. <laughs> don't, call, don't call me on this internet. I, I love space. I'm wearing a NASA shirt. <laughs> Clearly 12 planets. <laughs> uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. As I say, otherwise, I'm going to turn it over to Jessica to talk about next week's book. Yes. Next week's book, since I am the young adult chooser of the group, I guess, is going to be A Study in Charlotte, which is one that I've actually wanted to make you guys read for a while. So A Study in Charlotte is, Charlotte is the great, great granddaughter or something, grandniece, I don't know, somehow related to Sherlock Holmes. And Jamie is the great-great-great-great-grandson of Watson, or however it is, however many generations it is. And through kind of sort of happenstance, uh, Jamie meets Charlotte at a boarding school, and things ensue. And um, it is also told in the point of view of Jamie of Watson. It is about Charlotte, but it is told in his point of view. Um One of my favorite things about it, and it's kind of a warning, I guess, is it is definitely not Sherlock. Charlotte is not Sherlock. Charlotte is a child that was born to be Sherlock. And so it does deal with how that's not necessarily a good thing, I guess you could say, um, when you're born to be a legacy of someone like Sherlock kind of thing. And, but it's really good. I really enjoyed it. It is, unfortunately, the start of a trilogy. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it is a good standalone, though. Do that to us. It's okay to be a standalone. <laughs> I will say the mystery gets wrapped in this book. Okay. So. <laughs> I think it's only thing. It's part of, like, a trilogy. I mean, like, Sherlock goes on forever. They can't just stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's written by Brittany Cavallaro. Excellent. Maybe Cavallaro. 
no, Cavallaro. I think she's, yeah, but yeah. All right. Well, on that note, Naima, where can people find you at? I am on Instagram as other pages, other places, and also on Instagram and Twitter as Ema Janan. Jessica, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey writes. And Stephen, where can people find you to correct you on the number of planets? Thank you. In yeah. this <laughs> I was going to say, come tweet me to say that you understand. Um, no, you can find me on Twitter as Peppermint Gent, which is short for Peppermint Gentleman. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on whatever podcatcher you use. And if you have a couple extra dollars and you want to throw them our way, uh, you can find us on Patreon. It helps us put together this podcast and all of the other events on the Geek Elite Media Network. But until next time, this is the love of pages reminding you to always keep turning those pages and always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 